Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone. We are thrilled to have you joining us online today, uh, watching, listening uh, to this service and being a part of this. You know, today is uh, the last day in our series, The Tabernacle. And and I don't know for you, uh, but for me, this has been a phenomenal experience, an incredible uh, series. And for me, see, you guys only get, you know, 150th of what I put together uh, with all my study time, all the research I do, and, and, and it's just been phenomenal for me, and there's so much information out there that's available to us, and I would love to share for months and months. I know you wouldn't like that, so uh, we'll be moving on, but I would encourage you, at least some of you, consider doing a deeper dive into this tabernacle. There's so much about it. It's incredible how the entire tabernacle, every little detail of it speaks about God and to God and speaks about Jesus and speaks about our relationship with him. And although there are differences between worshiping God at the tabernacle under the old covenant and you and I worshiping God under the new covenant, the principles still remain the same. So God set up this tabernacle that was at the very center of the Jewish camp. And and, and God did this in such a way, and he was saying to the people, I'm here, I'm available to you, I want to draw close to you. In fact, I put it in your very DNA to, to know me, to be in relationship with me. Now, I don't know about you, but I think uh, we need this relationship, this close, dynamic relationship with God right now more than ever before. I mean, there is so much going on. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, this is a crazy season we're living in. Uh, 2020 has just been one of the most wild, unique years ever. This is a time and a season and a place for you and I to really draw close to God to really grow in our faith and to lean into him and to press into God and not our politicians and not the pundits and, you know, not even a vaccine or or our jobs or, or any of that, but that we would lean into God, that we would press into God and we would, we would want to draw close to him. And I hope and pray you've been doing that and will continue to do that. So this tabernacle that, that we're talking about, designed and created by God himself, teaches you and I about the different dimensions and aspects of a relationship that we can have with our Heavenly Father. Uh, a quick reminder, the tabernacle is 75 feet wide. It's 150 feet long. And as you stepped into the outer court, what's the first thing you would come to? If you remember from our first week, you would come to the bronze brazen altar. What is that? It's a place of judgment and sacrifice. And you and I, of course, know that Jesus has become our final sacrifice for our sins. Well, after you passed the bronze brazen altar and spent time there, you would step up to the bronze laver. What was that? That was, a time, that was a place where we would wash ourselves, where we would examine ourselves. We would look at our hearts and say, you know what? I want to move past the place of God just forgiving me of my sins. And I want to actually draw closer to God. And so you would come to this laver and you would be asking the question, yes, or ask the question, am I ready for a deeper relationship with God? 
You would then step inside a 30-foot by 45-foot tented structure known as the holy place. It was divided into two different rooms. One room, the first room, was 30 by 30. It was a square. And the other room past that was the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant resided. As you stepped into this holy place, on the right side, you might recall, was the table of showbread or the table of his presence or the bread of his face. This was a place where God said, I want to fellowship with you. I want to draw close to you. I want to provide for you and you can be with me and we can spend time together. Then if you look to your left, you would see the golden lampstand with its seven lights or candles symbolizing that God is the light of our life and he provides the guidance in our life. And then God said to you and I, Jesus said, uh, as he leaves this earth, that you and I are now called to be his light. The light of God, the love of God, the grace of God to a dark world. Then in this holy place, you would step forward and right in front of the curtain that separated the outer place from the holy of holies, there would be the altar of incense. You see that? And you read more about it in Exodus chapter 30. You can dive into it this week. It was made of acacia wood and was overlaid with pure gold. The altar of incense was an 18 inch square and it stood three feet tall. The priest would burn incense on this altar of incense twice daily, in the morning and in the evening. Uh, he would gather burning coals from the, from the brazen altar outside, and he would bring them in, and he would put them on the altar of sacrifice. He would then pour the incense on the coals. That incense would then rise as a pillar of smoke up to the top, and it was symbolized the prayers of the people that the, that the priest prayed on behalf of the people symbolize the prayers going up to God, going up to the throne of God. You see, the altar of incense was a place of prayer, but it was also a place, place of praise and worship and intercession before our Father in heaven. Now, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 141 today, where where David talks about the altar of incense and his experience with that. And we can draw some information about how God wants to connect with us and relate with us. So in Psalm chapter 41, verse 1, it starts off and it says, this is David speaking. He says, I call out to you, Lord. Come quickly to me. Hear me when I call you. May my prayer be set before you like what? Say that out loud, wherever you're sitting. What does it say? May prayer be set before you like incense. He's drawing us to the altar of incense. May it be set before you like incense. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. See, David starts out saying, God, I'm calling out to you. I'm crying out to you. God, come near, come quickly. I want to be close to you. I want to have a relationship with you. And then he says something that's kind of interesting to me. Look at verse two again. He says, may my prayer be, and what's that word? May my prayer be set before you like incense. Again, drawing us to the the tabernacle. Now that word set is a Hebrew word which means fixed. David is saying, God, I am coming to you consistently. And not only that, but I have fixed times. I have set times, just like the high priest had the morning and evening set specific prayer time where he would burn the, burn the, the incense off the altar. Now you and I in the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 tells us that we are to pray without ceasing. And so there's this constant idea of just being before the presence of God. And yet, 
We're also to have special times, set times, fixed times, times where we purposefully, intentionally choose to meet with God. The Bible tells us that Daniel did this. In fact, the Bible tells us that Daniel had three fixed times or set times that he spent with God each and every day. Now, what else is David talking about in these verses? You see, when the altar at the the mixture of the at the altar of incense, which is talked about in Exodus chapter 30 again, they use a specific mixture of sweet incense that, that God said in Exodus chapter 30, verse 7, he said that it was not to be used or shared by anybody else outside of the tabernacle or what would later be the temple. Nobody was to have this mixture except for the priest. And when they poured this very specific particular mixture onto the coals, it would go up in a chimney of smoke. There was almost no dissipation until it hit the roof. They made this, you can picture this, there was this fixed column of smoke that rose. And what David was saying, he was saying, may my prayers, God, be fixed before you. I've set times, specific times. But also may it be fixed in such a way, maybe it focused in such a way. It's like the incense that's rising to you, that goes directly to you, God, that doesn't dissipate in any way because, of course, smoke normally spreads out and dissipates as soon as it comes off of a fire. But David's saying, no, no, I want it to be fixed. I want it to be focused. I don't want to wander. I don't want my prayers to be weakened in any way. May they reach you in a, in a powerful and a wonderful way. Then David goes on to say in Psalm chapter 41, he says, verse 3, he says, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. What is he saying? David's saying, God, I want to come before you and I want to, this time I interact with you and have with you, I want to pray and I want to talk to you and I want it to be appropriate. I want it to be correct. I want my prayers to be correct. I want to pray in the right way. Solomon gives us more insight into this in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And he says this. He says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Solomon said when he goes to God that he's careful. That part of praying appropriately that sometimes it means that we also listen. Prayer isn't always just speaking to God. It's also, Solomon says, listening. And when we do speak, notice what he goes on to say. He says, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God's in heaven. You're on earth. So what does he say? So let your words be few. Why is Solomon saying that? He's saying that because when we come before God, when we spend time with God, when we come before him in prayer, when we talk to him that there is a right way, that there's an appropriate way that we do that before God. Now, why is this so important? That as you grow in a deeper relationship with God, as you come before him, that there's a right way, that there's an appropriate way, there's a couple of reasons for this. And we want to look at that this morning. First of all, when you and I come before God at the altar of incense, this place of prayer and worship and praise and intercession, we need, we need to understand we're coming to a place of power. We're coming to a place of power. In fact, why don't you just say that? Say power, wherever you're at right now, no matter where you're at, say power. The altar of incense is a place of power. King Uzziah, who was one of the most godly kings of Israel, actually stumbled big time. We learn about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 26. 
You see, he wanted to go burn uh, 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 incense at the altar, but it wasn't his place to do so. Only the priest could do that. And because this was a place of power, of God's holy power, God struck Uzziah with leprosy. You see, Uzziah chose to come to this place of power in an improper way, in the wrong way. Uzziah tried to come before God in an inappropriate way. 2 Chronicles 26 um, tells us this way. It says that his heart became proud. And in fact, another translation says his arrogance led to his own destruction. See, don't miss it. At the altar of incense, when we come before God, this is a place of power. And a proud heart, uh, an arrogant heart, is not welcome before God in that way. Leviticus chapter 10 talks about two individuals, Nadab and Abihu. And they came to this altar, they came to this place of power in a prideful, a very prideful way. And so God, the Bible tells us that God actually struck them dead. Why? Because they came before, this passage tells us that they came before God saying, we're going to do, we're going to come before God, but we're going to do it our way. We're going to meet God, but we're going to meet God on our terms. We're going to do it our way at the altar of incense, not God's way. Listen, that is the very definition of pride and arrogance. You and I, we have an incredible and awesome privilege that we have to come before a holy God, to pray to talk to him, to be with him and he with us. But listen, that doesn't mean we come flippantly. It doesn't mean we come with a, a sense of arrogance. It doesn't mean we come with a sense of, hey, I'll come before God, but I come before God on my terms. We don't come complacent and we never come before God with pride or arrogance. How do we come before the throne of God? Very simply, we come humbly. We come with a heart and a spirit and attitude of humility. Now, the New Testament will tell us later, we'll look at it at the end of the message, the New Testament tells us we can absolutely come before God with confidence. We can do that, and we can be comfortable in the presence of God, but there's no place for pride. You see, he's God, and you're not, and I'm not, so we come with great humility. And let me just say this, because you might be thinking, oh man, this is, I don't know if I can really bring everything before God. No, you can you can come and you can be angry and you can be upset and you can share your deepest of emotions. But you can still do that from a place of humility. If you read the Psalms, read what David says, what David prays to God. Man, they are raw. He's bringing his raw emotions to God. But why does God allow that? Because David came with a spirit of humility. He was humble. When we pray at the altar of incense, when we have those moments with God, it's a place of power. Say power. Power. David said, I want to be at this place. And I understand it's a place of power, so I'm going to be humble. What else is David saying? Not only is the, 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 the altar of incense a place of power, but it's also a place of praise. Say praise. It's a place of power, but it's also a place of praise. Psalm chapter 40, uh, 141, verse 2, it says this, May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting of my what? Say it. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Now, what is David talking about this, this evening sacrifice? What's this lifting of my hands? Well, it's very interesting. When the, when the incense was poured on the altar, 
on those hot coals that were on the altar, at first it would almost extinguish uh, uh, what was there, the, the flames on the altar. But then the smoke would begin to rise. And as that oil began to take light from those hot coals, that's when this, these little flames would start to begin to leap out, to begin to rise. And then they got bigger and bigger. And so you had these flames that were literally leaping up, that were rising up and, you know, almost dancing, so to speak. Which is interesting. Because the Hebrew word here in this passage for lifting, it literally means as flames leap forth. He's saying, David's saying, when I come at the altar of incense, when I come to this place of power and this place of praise, may my hands be lifted before you, God, as the burning fire. Let them be waved before you, reaching up and reaching out. It's a picture of us having a passion before God, of crying out to God, of desiring to God, of wanting to be close to God. Now, all of us who have kids or grandkids, think back to the time when they were young, and what did you do when they would reach up to you uh, with hands and maybe even be crying out to you? You know, when my kids were younger and they, they were reaching up to me and they were saying and lifting their hands saying, Daddy, 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 you know what I never said? I never said, get away from me, you little Pentecostal, right? No, 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 I never did that. I loved their passion and, the, and their love and the desire to reach up and to reach out to me and to, and to be close to me. You know, one of the most used words for praise in the Bible is the Hebrew word yada. It literally means to cast, to throw, to, to literally cast your hands to God, to throw your hands up to God, to extend your hands to God. David said, Lord, that's how I want to be with you. I want to lift my hands to you. God, I want to be so close to you. I love you, God. I'm passionate about you. And so I'm lifting my hands and I'm lifting my heart to you. I'm crying out to you, God, with outstretched arms. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, it tells us this in verse 8. It's, Paul says this. He says, and he's referring back to what David's talking about, which is taking us back to the tabernacle. He says, I want everyone everywhere. He's talking to believers. I want everyone everywhere to lift innocent or holy hands towards heaven and pray. See, the Bible's pretty clear. When we come before God in private worship and private prayer and in our public worship, in our public prayer, part of our passionate worship with God, part of our passionate drawing close to God and part of our prayer time, part of that expression of praise is lifting up our hands, reflecting what's happening in our heart. What about you? Is the lifting of your hands, is that part of your expression of prayer and praise to God? Is that part of your worship time with God? Is that part of your, your conversations with God? Casting your hands to him, lifting your hands to him? Some of you might be thinking, well, pastor, you don't understand. That's just not how I was raised. You know, that kind of thing, it's not my custom. I'm not real comfortable doing that. I got to tell you, I totally understand and I totally get that. You know, when I first got saved and I saw people lifting their heart, hands to God and, and I thought to myself, I would never do that. 
That's not something I'll do. That's, that, that's for emotional people, right? That, that's for highly emotional people. That's for excited people. I'm much more chill. I'm much more calm. I'm much more even keel. Besides, I don't need to raise my hands to worship God. I don't need to lift my hands to, to pray to God, to talk to God. But you know something? The more I grew in my relationship with God, the more connected I got with God, the more my heart was open to what God was saying, the more passionate I got in my prayer time with God, in my conversations with God, the more passionate I got in my praise time with God. And so now I lift my hands before the Lord all the time. Whether I'm on mountaintops climbing and backpacking and hiking and I get there and I have some altar of incense experiences with God and I lift my hands to him. Whether it's at the beach and I have those moments in time with God where I just lift my hands to him and I talk to him. Whether it's in my backyard or, or in my office or at church with you or also even in my vehicle, in my car. Do you ever have those times? I know I have. In fact, this morning, as I was driving to church, as is my custom every Sunday morning, I put on worship music, kind of just getting my heart ready and prepared. You know, as is also my custom, I'm always doing last minute, you know, going over the message. So this was, the message was obviously heavy on my heart. And I pressed play on just the worship list set that I had. And the song that came up, I want you to write this down right now. You're going to want to write this down. The song was, What Would You Do by Isaiah Templeton. Uh, it's an elevation worship song from one of their live uh, Graves into Garden song, which I believe we sang, or, or we did sing earlier. What Would You Do was the song. Now, there's not a lot of words there. Uh, the person who sings it out, I mean, it's just, it's heavenly. It's, it's, it's not something you just want to go listen to right now. You want to save this and have a moment with you and God, crank up the music. And I don't know if this would be your altar of incense experience, but I know for me, as I was driving to church today, and I was by myself, and he's belting it out and saying, what would you do if Jesus walked into the room? What would you do if he walked into the room? And I'm listening to this, and all of a sudden, man, I'm lifting my hands to Jesus in the car. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, whoa, you know, I'm all over the place and almost hit the curb. And, and so then I set, so the car will drive straight, but mine kind of drifts. And so I'm just worshiping God and trying not to close my eyes too much. And, you know, I'm drifting, and then, you know, it kind of shakes a little on the wheel. And, and then I come back into the middle. Man, even today, I was having those moments with God. Lifting my hands, which is an expression of my heart. Maybe for some of you, grab that song. Maybe that song doesn't work for you and you won't have that moment with God. But I know I did. And I had that time and I have those times. What about you? Do you have those times? You see, if lifting your hands in prayer and in praise before God, if that isn't part of your regular worship of God, privately, publicly, if it's not a regular part of your prayer time, privately and publicly, listen, you are missing out on, on a dimension of a deeper, more vibrant, intimate connection with your heavenly father. God invites you to this. God invites you to draw close to him in this way. Now, I love the story in 2 Samuel chapter 6. And we get more of insight into David's passion for God and, and the passion he had. And in that story, he was bringing back the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the very presence of God. He was bringing it back into the city of Jerusalem. 
And David was so excited and passionate to have God's presence there, presence there in the city. And the Bible tells us that he began to praise God with all of his might, with all of his strength in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Now, what does that mean that he began to praise God with all his might and all of his strength? Well, we're told in verse 16 that he was jumping and spinning and dancing. It was like David, King David created like, you know, the very first rave, right? I mean, that's what's going on. He's dancing and jumping and just shouting before the Lord. Now, I want you to think about this. What did dudes wear back then for their clothing? Well, their clothing, they wore what? They, they, they wore robes, right? They wore robes. And so here, picture this. David is, is dancing and jumping and spinning and just praising God passionately. And as that's happening, his robe, you know, because he's dancing and spinning, his robe was kind of, you know, flying up into the air. And all the people who are watching this procession, they're seeing their king and they're like, oh man, look at the king, man. I, I, you know, the, oh man, look at the king there. I thought he wore boxer briefs. Oh, he's got Nike pros on, Right? And it's interesting in the story, David's wife, Michal, the Bible tells us, was literally disgusted by his passionate worship of God. The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 20, that she literally despised him. She said, look at you. Look how you've offended yourself today, how you've embarrassed yourself before your people. I mean, you're the king. And if you know the story, David goes on and says, listen, I don't care about myself. I don't care what I look like. I don't care if I'm humiliated in my own eyes. God's presence, I'm with God, I'm with his presence. And I'm gonna be passionate about him and I'm gonna dance before him and I'm gonna praise him and I'm gonna lift my heart and lift my hands before him. Why? Why did David say that? Because his heart was fully focused on God. He was pressing into God at the altar of incense. It's a place of passion, a place of praise. Now listen, God left us a powerful message in this story that, that we really want to take to heart. Guess what happened to Michal? You might know the story. Michal, the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 6, that she was barren, that she never had kids. In other words, she missed out on the blessings of God because her heart was prideful. Her heart had restrictions on how she would talk to God, worship God, go before God. Her heart had parameters by which she would be hemmed in in her worship and in her prayer. In other words, like King Uzziah, like Nadab and Abihu, she came to the altar the wrong way in an inappropriate way. This interesting thing about this story is I think Mikkel's life is a picture for us of what can happen to your life and what can happen to my life when we don't come before God with passion, when we don't come before God with praise, with, when we don't come before God with our whole heart. Man, if that happens, if that's you or if that's me, and then like her, our lives are going to be empty. We're going to be empty on the inside. And we're going to miss out, you know, children, especially for females in that time, were the greatest blessing. And so picture here, we would miss out if we don't have passion and, and, and humility and come before God in the right and appropriate way. If we're like her, man, we're going to miss out on the incredible blessings that God have and has for our lives. 
What restrictions have you put on your praise and your passion and your prayer before God? When you and I come to the altar of incense, it's a place of power. We just said also it's a place of praise, lifting up our hands, expressing our, our love for God, our passion for God. It's a way to say, God, my heart is fully yours. The altar of incense, place of power, a place of praise. And then finally, it's a picture. It's a picture. So imagine you're at the altar, the in, altar of incense. You're the high priest. And you're standing there, and what your role was, what your responsibility was, was to lift up prayers to God on behalf of the Jewish people. And we know from scriptures, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, tells us that Jesus intercedes to the Father for us. So Jesus did the exact, does the exact same thing before the Father for you and I. The altar of incense is a picture of that. Hebrews 9 tells us that Jesus stands before God on our behalf, that he steps in for us. He says, hey, Father, I know what they're going through. That emotion they're feeling right now, I've been through it. I know how it feels. We need to help them. We need to draw alongside of them. We need to provide for them, comfort them, heal them, give them peace, give them joy. Hebrews chapter 4 says it this way, our high priest, referring to Jesus, is not one who cannot feel sympathy for our weaknesses. On the contrary, we have a high priest who is tempted in every way that we are, but did not sin. Let us have confidence then and approach God's throne. Where there is what? What does that word say? Where there's grace. Judgment, that all happened outside. At the brazen altar, the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross, that happened outside the city. But we've now entered in. We've now come in. And when we come into God's presence at the altar of incense, this is a place of grace. He goes on and says, the author says, there, will be, there we will see, receive mercy and find grace to help us just when we need it. And you and I, we can come before our Heavenly Father, lifting hearts and lifting hands in prayer, in praise, in worship, and we can do that with confidence, knowing our high priest, Jesus, he's on our side. He's interceding for us. As we said at the beginning of this series, you and I were designed by God, created in our very DNA, to be in an intimate, dynamic, vibrant, passionate love relationship with God. That's how God created you. That's how he made you, every single one of us. And you and I are never more alive than when we come to the altar of incense, lifting up our hearts, lifting up our hands, and our prayers to a God who has nothing better to do at this time than to spend it with you. So we finish the series off the same way we began. Will you come? You've been invited by God, but will you come? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads with me right now and close your eyes. And here's the question. I'm asking, no matter where you're at, no matter if you're listening, watching, would you do that, please? I want you to have an altar of incense experience with God right now. And part of that's going to be right now, would you be willing to tell God, God, I'm going to choose a set time like David, a fixed time this week where I'm going to have altar of incense experience with you. Would you be willing to tell him that right now and even tell him when? Let's talk to God about it. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, thank you for the tabernacle and all that it shows us and tells us about this relationship that we can have with you. 
God, would you hear our prayers right now? And God, we want to come before you and tell you, God, we want to have these moments, these times with you, passionate times of prayer and praise. So right where you're sitting, standing, wherever you're at, would you tell God, say, God, I love you. I worship you. And I'm going to choose some set times and fixed times to meet with you this week. Tell them what those are right now in your own words. God, would you hear each heart, each prayer right now? And God, as each of us make this commitment to draw close to you, to meet with you, God, would you meet with us? And God, would you just minister to our hearts, move in us. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.